Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're walking through the last part of Matthew chapter 21. And if you're just joining us, I want to invite you into this series where we are looking at an introduction to the Gospels, walking through the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm explaining some of the history and the culture and the background, all the things that are sometimes lost on us as modern readers. So I'm picking up in verse 33, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. It says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his fruit. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take possession of his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the fruit in the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures a stone which the builders rejected? This has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and whomever it falls, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And although they sought to arrest him, they feared the crowd since they considered him to be a prophet. So in this passage, we are seeing Jesus tell another parable, and he's talking about a vineyard. And we know from studying that a vineyard often represents Israel. Now, this time, remember that this area was all part of the Roman Empire, even Galilee was. So this rural part of Galilee was part of this system in the Roman Empire where the land was controlled by wealthy landowners. And honestly, they made so much money off the land, off of the work of these tenant farmers, that they could essentially live in the lap of luxury. And the farmers who often also lived on the land, they did all the work and they were the reason why those wealthy owners had the lifestyle that they did. Sometimes they were slaves. And in most of Italy, that's how it was. It was slaves that worked the land. And in Egypt, most of those people that worked the land were free peasants. But in Galilee, it was a mix. So there was some free people and there were some slaves that were working this land. And this, just as a quick caveat, this is not to say that slavery is okay. Slavery in ancient times was different than what you or I might think of as slavery. And Jesus was not endorsing slavery by telling this parable. He was simply making a commentary based on the social structure or the strata at the time. Just a quick caveat there. 
So sometimes landowners would be generous. And of course, if they were generous and they paid really, really well, then that would make them popular with the poor. But most of them, they really didn't care about that. They cared about profits. They cared about their bottom line. And most of the time, they didn't even live near their land. They would live in big cities and big homes, and they wouldn't even really interact with their workers. As Jesus is teaching this parable, he's talking to these religious leaders, and he's reminding them that this role that they think they've taken on is really not what the bottom line is. The bottom line is that God is the one that's in control. And so Matthew's original readers would have recognized the parallels to Israel, even if we don't. And it refers back to some scripture in Isaiah chapter 5, where Israel is compared to a vineyard that belongs to God, but that is not producing fruit. So in this landowner-farmer kind of situation, they would have worked out the details ahead of time. And as far as payment goes, sometimes it would be a certain percentage, like a certain percentage of the harvest would go towards the farmers, or sometimes it was a fixed amount based on what that expected yield would be. But in this scenario, it's most likely that there was some kind of percentage deal worked out because he's coming to collect his part of the harvest. And so the landowner sends his servants and the farmers do what? They beat one, they kill one, and they stone one. And what's interesting is that most of the time, these landowners were known for being really, really harsh with their tenants. They had the power. They had the power socially. They had the power financially. They sometimes even had political power. And often what they would do is they would have hired hands on the property whose sole job was to take care of or kill the tenants that got out of line. But what we're seeing here in this story that Jesus is telling is a role reversal where the servants are getting the harsh treatment when they are coming to collect this portion of the harvest and the tenants are acting as if they are the ones with all the power. And so this whole parable would have shocked this original audience because it's opposite of how things typically worked in that culture. And this is an illusion essentially to the prophets that God had already sent both in the Old Testament and even in John the Baptist. And just like they rejected the servants that were being sent to this land, they, the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel had rejected God's prophets. So in verse 37, the owner then resorts to sending his son. And what do they do? They killed him. And of course, this is referring to Jesus himself, alluding to the fact that they are going to kill him. And Jesus had been revealing this to the disciples prior to this. We've seen this over and over. But now he's basically saying it to these rulers, even though it's in a form of a parable. That's what he's doing. He's explaining what's going to be happening. And so after all of this, the tenants are presuming that they will get this inheritance once they kill off the son. And I guess while that technically could have happened, that could have taken place legally, the owner could also allocate that that land would go to someone else. And he most likely would because of the way that they had treated his son and his servants. And even beyond that, the emperor himself could intervene and take the land away as well. So there was no guarantee that even after they had done all that, that they would even be able to keep the land. And so overall, this entire parable is painting this picture for this original audience as the tenants who are acting evil, they're acting foolishly, and it's this metaphor for these religious leaders who are acting in a very similar way. And 
then in verse 42, we see a reference to Psalm 118, verses 22 to 23. I'm going to read that for you. But this was really normal because in most of the Jewish parables, you would also see a scripture reference, which is what Jesus is doing. And so Psalm 118, verse 22 and 23 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. So what we see is that Jesus is clearly comparing himself to the cornerstone and he's placing himself in the place of the Messiah, which is the hope for Israel. And so now how did these religious leaders respond? Well, remember, like we learned yesterday, the Pharisees were also politicians and they had to be careful of what the people thought. They had to be careful of what the Roman government thought. And so they were really concerned about the public perception and response because at this time, They have to be careful because Jesus is pretty popular still. And so the only way they could get away with arresting him was if he did something egregious that threatened a revolt. So they start trying to put together evidence. And we know that in the end, they accuse him of blasphemy and they eventually bring him before Pilate. But I think what's interesting is this is the first time that Jesus is in front of these leaders, calling them out and trying to reveal how they obviously already got it wrong and they're going to continue to get it wrong. And he gives them chance after chance after chance. But we know that their hearts are already hardened. And so given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read starting at verse 33. It says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his fruit. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they did the same things to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take possession of his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine growers? They said to him, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease a vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the fruit in the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, did you ever read in the scriptures a stone which the builders rejected? This has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and on whomever it falls, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And although they sought to arrest him, they feared the crowds since they considered him to be a prophet. Let's pray. Again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the treasure that it is as it reveals your heart for your people. And even as we start to unpack this, we can recognize the hardened hearts of these leaders. God, Help us to recognize, even in our own lives, areas of our heart that might be hardened, hardened against you or hardened against the things that you are trying to do in this world, hardened against the grace and the mercy and the generosity that you are as God, our Father. Lord, I pray for conviction on our hearts if we need conviction. God, I pray for peace on our hearts if we need peace. Lord, help us to understand what it is you're trying to say to us through this passage. We thank you that you still speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray for my friend today that you would bless him abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, friends, real quick before we go, I want to just let you know that we are at 19 Kids and Counting for our Compassion Partnership. And if you are just new to the show or maybe you haven't heard about our partnership, the Hearing Jesus podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International with their global orphan care organization. And we have made it our personal goal on the show to sponsor 30 children by the end of the year. We are already at 19. So if you have not looked into that. If you've not watched our episode about that, I would encourage you to either listen to the episodes called From Fear to Freedom, or you can watch it on YouTube with the captions. So it's a little bit easier for you to understand that Kenyan accent. But I interviewed an alumni that grew up within the program and he shares not just the difference compassion made, but the difference that the gospel made and so encouraging. And so you can just get a little bit of snippet of what compassion does. But I would ask you to prayerfully consider giving towards that sponsorship drive that we are doing in the season of Christmas and the season of giving. You can make the difference in the life of a child. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk tomorrow. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.